Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. I didn't want it to end as much as I wanted to be back with my family and my friends. It was like really hard for that to end. People were like, you just went through all this grueling 3,700 mile plus adventure and you say you didn't want it to end. It was just such a spectacular um, event for me. The whole ride that went, when I saw that water, it was kind of surreal because you know, you realize you A, shouldn't be alive. And B, they didn't know if you were gonna walk again. Folks, when I finished my 100 miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR Lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's DRB and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. So we are here, episode 100. And if you followed this podcast for a while, then you will recognize this guest. One of my favorite guests, because she was on episode 43 quite a few years ago. Our guest, I'm not going to leave a surprise, her name is Danita Walters. And Danita Walters in 2016 was trained to ride her bike from across the United States in, uh, for disabled veterans. And it was her very last day of training that a car came and hit her and put her through quite a setback. And I can't rehash enough just about what strength this, this woman has. She is a teacher, she is a swim coach, so, and she's an athlete. As we're all athletes, our office is just different. I wanted her as the 100th guest because her goal of riding across the United States happened last year. And as you know, it's not about the setback, it's about to come back. I want to talk about this story and everything that really goes involved with it from our heart and our soul. Our guest today, Danita Walters, welcome back. Glad you're here. Oh, thank you. It's such an honor. I, I'm grateful to be here and um, hopefully we can make a difference with this story. Absolutely. So 2016, just a rehash, um, you're on your very last train ride before you are going to trek across the United States. And 
your hit. Can you just walk us through, um, you know, whenever you're asked about this, can you just walk us through that accident that happened and then, you know, the subsequent months? Yeah, so I, I was on my way home. I had turned over my pool keys at Kokomo High School um, on that evening um, and was about four miles from home. I was struck from behind at 60 miles an hour on a bicycle. Most people don't survive that. Um, when I was hit, I was left unconscious. Um, I was thrown into the windshield and then about 50 feet from the edge of the road. Um, rescue personnel were miraculously less than a mile from the scene of the accident when they got the call because they were actually on their way back to the firehouse after running another patient into the hospital. Um, the, the fire captain that came on scene uh, knew who I was. At that point in time, I wasn't wearing identification. I didn't have anything on me that said who I was. Um, but thankfully, he knew um, who I was and was able to get in touch immediately with, with my family. All of my gear was already sitting in San Francisco, California, waiting on me. I needed to teach one more day, and then I was flying out to San Francisco to begin this ride across the country, and I was going west to east in 2016. But um, I was left with a broken neck. I had a shattered pelvis, and my right leg uh, was not even skeletally attached to the body. Um, so they used a lot of rods and screws and all kinds of hardware to put me back together. I had a traumatic brain injury, um, among a lot of other things and a lot of other surgeries, you know, the non-life-threatening things get taken care of a little bit later. I had to learn to walk again. Um, I am a swim coach and ironically, uh, they put me on a treadmill in a water setting, which was wonderful for me. Um, because I, I love the benefit of what the water could do for me. Um, and the physicians told us three years for recovery. And I thought, well, that's crazy. You know, here I am an athlete, you break a bone, you just, you bounce back in, you know, six to eight weeks and away you go. But they were absolutely right. Um, I still feel I'm getting stronger, even with the ride last summer. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing better physically um, still today, um, almost six years later. And I appreciate you recapping that because, again, episode 43, we really lay it out. With Looking back on it now, um, when you talked about sort of the non-life-threatening injuries and issues that you would go through, what, um, what can you speak to sort of like the post-traumatic effects that were happening from that? The hardest part probably were the headaches. Um, there were days that, and then getting into that deep pit where you just didn't know if you wanted to continue breathing anymore. And, and those that loved me and those that surrounded me um, and, and picked me up, um, I, I needed to be coached through some of those really bad days. Um, I couldn't stand even the slightest bit of light in a room. I couldn't stand anybody shuffling on the floor. I would get vomit sick um, from the pain. Uh, it was, the headaches were extremely excruciating and rough. And because I was suffering from severe blood clots and some other things from the trauma, the medications that they could give for the headaches were very limited um, because of the other side effects. So you had one thing that happened to another, th you know, just the cause and effect um, was a little bit difficult. It was a challenge. Um, I'm a go-getter. And being sidelined and having to be laid up in a bed, not being able to take care of myself, relying on someone to pick my legs up, put them on the floor, to put them back in a bed, um, not be able to physically let, groom yourself, take a shower. Like that was really hard going from being a very physically fit human being to 
not even be able to brush your own teeth. In that, in your recovery and when you were coming back, what was one of those moments that stand out to you that you, you, I'm, I'm getting better, I'm coming back? What, what stood out? Well, the physicians told my family that to plan on a minimum of six weeks in the hospital. So once released from ICU and I went into the therapeutic setting, um, I had a phenomenal team of therapists and I pleaded with them, just throw everything you can at me. Um, I, I'm determined I want to get better. And I think being released from the hospital in 23 days, probably not quite ready to be released, but with a husband and a mom and family and church friends that were willing to step in and fill in some of the gaps and then therapy and all those people that came to the home to continue that was a turning point for me because I was back in my home. I got to hang out with my pups. Um, I got to sit out ever so simply. We wheeled out onto a porch to be outside. I love to be outside. And mentally, then I think some of that healing began. When, when you started to walk and you really started to recover, what else, what else stood out next to you then? Walking was hard. Um, it was really hard. I had a walker, I had a four point walker. We put a little basket on it. Um, my kids thought it'd be funny. They adorned everything with sparkles and stickers. <laughs> um, so I would, I would make a goal. I'm going to walk myself instead of using the commode that's right next to the bed. I'm walking to the bathroom, which was not very far away from my hospital bed that was in the middle of the living room. Um, and then I was going to walk to the front door instead of you put me in that wheelchair. I'm going to walk myself there. And then I would walk to the edge of the driveway. And then we would walk to the end of the driveway. So, and then I would walk out to look at the garden. So I drove my therapist a little bit crazy um, because I was always, sometimes I had setbacks within the recovery because I was pushing it a little bit too hard. Sure. Um, but it was, it was painful. It, I mean, it took your breath away, like pain that takes your breath away and begins to, to um, you get perspiration on, you know, and you don't even know where it's coming from. Like you're just perspiring like crazy and your breath, you, it's like, it just hurts. When you make it back to then doing what you love and that is coaching and teaching. <laughs> yes. How did that uh, reinvigorate your spirit? Oh, my stars. So um, I was approved for social security disability right out of the gate. And um, the government considered me fully disabled and we didn't have to even, you know, appeal or anything because medically on paper, if you look at what's how I'm put back together and all that good stuff, um, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But I uh, started teaching half-time, part-time with an organization called The Crossing. And it was an alternative program that is no longer in Kokomo, but I was able to be back working with kids and loving on kids. And they inspire me um, because all of us, overcome challenges every single day um, and to be a little bit of a piece of the puzzle that helped them maybe overcome something they were going through that inspired me that invigorated me that gave me energy and I kind of feed that's just my personality um, and now Northwestern School Corporation um, this is my fourth year but they took a chance on me because when they hired me I was still doing fair physical therapy two to three times a week so sometimes I would have to leave a little early sometimes I came in a little bit late and they allowed me to continue that process of that physical therapy. Um, 
we didn't know, was my body going to be able to hold up a full day? It did four hours a day, but could it do eight hours a day? And then this job entailed coaching. I was physically exhausted the first, first year of teaching. I, my husband had to hold everything down at home because I could just get through this, the day of teaching and coaching. Um, but the joy that I got from that um, and working with these kids uh, day in and day out, just they feed, they give me energy. Mm -hmm. I, I feed off of them and I hope that I'm somehow a benefit um, to them as well. Oh, you know, you are. I mean, with, with your spirit, I mean, you, you are a coach at heart and I believe the coaches at heart. I mean, you have to coach, right? It's just, it's I in your DNA. When you were, did, did it change the way that you approached coaching? You know, I, I do think so. Um, we all go through setbacks always. And, and as an athlete, this was a huge setback. I mean, it was crazy huge, but even through the course of a season, you know, as a high school athlete, there are going to be setbacks, but what defines us as human beings, what defines us as athletes is, is how we persevere and how we come back from that. And, and, and the attitude we have as we're going through that. And, and those lessons as things that I hope that I can instill in our kids is this is not abnormal. You're no different than, you know, thousands and thousands of other athletes have done this before. We're going to get through it. And it's how we get through it, the attitude we have going through the situation that's going to define us. It, it ultimately defines us as human beings. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website drrobbell.com and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. And so you recover and then the pandemic hits. And about that time, when did, you know, when did this other hinge moment, you know, get the seed get planted in terms of this oh might goodness. be something I want to do? Oh my goodness. So I, you know, I didn't like being at home because I wasn't around the kids and it's really hard to teach swimming um, from a computer. Doesn't work for so well. So there are so many dry land activities that you can do before the kids are like, we're over this, we're done with this. So I had been riding my bike a little bit here and there and I came up with the crazy idea um, on the, it was the fourth anniversary of my accident, uh, May 24th, so it would have been 2020 that I wanted to ride 75 miles. I had a 13.5 mile loop around by my house that I could do and I'd be close to home if there should be an emergency or I should run out of gas. And there were several of my swim athletes that rode bicycles. I'd actually rode some bicycle, I'd done some bicycling with some of my swim athletes. And so I sent out one of those little remind messages. And I said, is there anyone out there that would be interested in riding thinks that they could ride? 13 miles and, and we're going to, my husband's going to fix a dinner. We're going to have snacks. So it'll be a lot of fun and we'll be socially distanced outside. It'll be okay. You know, I got approval from the AD because this wasn't school related. And, and so we made a little sag stop, um, you know, which is support and gear just down from my house. Um, and my husband would run us down popsicles. And of course he cooked out for the kids when we were all done, but um, I had six kids come out that day. Um, and then I had another friend that did too, but they were former athletes of mine or current athletes of mine. And they each took turns cycling this 13 miles and coaching me. So, you know, Rob, I've always done the coaching, but that particular day, 
you know, you can do this coach when it was hot. Um, I was very much so in a lot of pain, um, but they were really, really motivating me that day. And so it was kind of, I had to take a different role, even though I came up with this great idea. I thought these kids ended up coaching me through it. So it was hey, a when, ton of when, fun. When the student's ready, the teacher will appear. There you go. <laughs> right. Um, I knew when I met you at the school, I knew that there was some point that you were definitely going to do this. I just had no doubt in my mind. I mean, you can just tell through your, through your heart. And I know I wouldn't be the only individual that says this. So um, how did the planning start and why go from East to West this time? Yeah. So after that ride with those kids at 75 miles, I started to think, so can I push my body, you know, 60 miles back to back to back, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Um, and so we started doing some, some longer rides. We started with like thirties back to back, and then I would go 35s. And so if you look at my training regimen, we kind of increase that. And then we throw in a, you know, a 70 mile ride or a hundred mile ride. And I said, okay, I think I can do this. Um, so then I'm like, all right, so what's the route going to look like? Am I going to do the same route? And I had this kind of a little bit of a block. Okay. I don't know if I want to go west to east and everybody's like that's the only way you ride because the prevailing winds and I'm like no everything I'm researching says it's you know 50 50 so I decided to do the route the same route but to go from the east coast um one reason was I could this was easier to be dropped off at that location <laughs> if you know I was and and um so a lot of things changed in the course of this planning I was first going to ride with an organization um and then the the there were requirements to be on that ride. And so that didn't work. And so then I went to having a SAG driver of my own, a personal driver. Um, and that's what I ended up doing. Um, so I, I followed Adventure Cycling's uh, map. So, you know, we did the Western Express and, and it's very easily mapped, easily followed, turn by turn directions. Um, however, I don't know if you followed mid, mid ride, I changed route. Did you see that? I didn't see that you changed, no. <laughs> yeah. So I really, so the route takes you to finish in Oregon. Um, yes, yes, and yes. I had already seen the Rocky Mountains. I had been through Idaho, the Saltus, um, Yellowstone. I'd been through all of that country as a tourist, you know? And so I was like, I've never been west of Gunnison, Colorado. And I thought, I really I want lived to out that. there for a while. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. So, but I was afraid of the heat you know, it's really hot in Nevada and Utah in June and July. So I followed some other reports, prayed about it and just decided, okay, I can, I can get up at three in the morning. And that's what we did. We did some cycling at three in the morning um, at that phase. But uh, yeah, we, we ended up finishing in San Francisco, which yes. is where I would have started originally in 2016. And I'm so thankful that I did. How about the dogs in Kentucky? Coach. <laughs> Oh my, if you go to my website, there's actually a video on there um, because I'll be honest, I didn't do this alone. I even had a friend with me that cycled part of Kentucky. God love her for picking that part of the, the countryside to cycle every day. Dog encounters, they chase you. Um, yeah. It is no joke either. It is not. It yeah. is. It's scary because. Very you know, some of them are good and stay in their yard, but you don't know which ones are going to be the ones that stay in their yard. And, right. and I couldn't fall, you know, Kentucky was really early in the ride. I couldn't, I couldn't fall at that point. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I had never 
um, used dog spray ever, ever in my cycling career until Kentucky. So you had to use it? Did. Oh, wow. Stopped them in their track. If they hit the asphalt, if they hit the pavement, yeah. I wasn't taking a chance. Yeah. And then yeah, we, no we tried something different. We tried to put the vehicle between me and the dog. Like I, like we would take up the whole road and we'd put the vehicle between me and the dog. That was somewhat successful. I didn't, I don't ever want to, I love animals. I didn't ever want to do anything like oh. that, but yeah, they're, they're no joke. So with people that don't cycle too, I remember training and, you know, before in my naive mind, I'm just thinking, wait, man, you would just pedal harder and that dog would not be able to catch you. But I remember on a ride one time and I remember seeing these two dogs and then they might've been like pit bull size and they were flying. I mean, they were going probably like 30 some miles an hour. I'm like, okay, well, you're not going to be out riding this. So obviously that's a danger. And I just remember that. And that put the fear into me. I was like, man, you better hope no dog ever like crosses. <laughs> you're in trouble. It, it, there are lots of people who have been wrecked. They get in between, yeah. you know, their, their tires, they get in between their feet, they're nipping at their ankles. You can't outrun them, especially in hilly countryside. Right. And invariably they always seem to chase when you're headed uphill. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I don't exactly go 30 miles an hour either. So, yeah. <laughs> so coach, what, um, you're on, you're on your trek. What to talk to us about what, what are some moments that stand out for you? My gosh, it was all about the journey. Um, and I'm going to tell you it's bigger than me. It's way bigger than me. I, I just get to share this story. Uh, this is truly God's doing. Um, the first campsite from the very first campsite we camped at, cause this was a truck bed camper unit. Um, and the very first campsite, the family next to us, noticed that obviously we looked a little different than the rest of the crowd. And uh, they, they talked to us and they prayed over us um, to probably my, like just riding through God's country. This entire country is wonderful, but people are good. Mm -hmm. Rob, people are good. The media tells us otherwise, but people are good. If you get to talk to people everywhere across this country, they're great. It was, it was wonderful meeting people from all walks of life. Um, my favorite story is in Grand Escalante National um, Staircase um, okay. in Utah. Okay. So you've got some pretty steep terrain and you've got a road that kind of rides the top ridge um, with some pretty good grade uh, inclines and declines, 14 plus percent dangerous terrain you know hilly tells you all these warnings motorcyclists use caution well i'm on a bicycle i'm not even on a motorcycle and some days we rode we drove forward to our campsite some days we drove backwards to our campsite this particular day we drove forward i wish we had it because i got to see what was in front of me <laughs> and for the very first time i was afraid now yeah. i'm going to be quite honest with you i think the word can't is a cuss word so if all of your listeners will embrace that if you will refuse to say that word can't is a cuss word it's a bad four-letter word don't use it ever for the first time in this ride i looked at my driver jocelyn samuel who is my angel and i said i, I can't ride this <laughs> yeah that's like there's if i get hit there's no 50 feet there's no burn there's not i'm gone like i am way over the edge on either side like there was no winning that battle and she's like well like we've done all this whole trip we're gonna pray about it 
And so, of course, that's how we went to bed. We said our prayers about, okay, this particular situation and for God to give us clarity. Because she's like, you know, Danita, you've got bonus miles because we got lost a few times. And so I was banking all those bonus miles and thought, well, I might cash in a couple this time. We woke up the next morning and Rob, I kid you not, right outside of our door were all these painted rocks, painted rocks. She believed she could, so she did. Mm-hmm. We would later find out that that was a gift from children who had uh, followed us previously a couple of days earlier, actually. And the kids told mom, oh my gosh, it's that lady that's riding across the country. She's at our campsite. We have to do something. And the mom's like, I don't have anything. What can we do for this woman? So she said, I paint. They found some rocks. They decorated these rocks. That's what I woke up to. She believed she could, so she did. So I took a deep breath and I said, all right, God, I guess that is your answer. Get on the bike and let's go. And we did. And obviously it was still frightening. I was still white knuckled. Um, But that was just a huge instance of answered prayer. All the way across this this route, um, people would buy us dinner. Um, We had our website, uh, Wandering Project, on the back of the the vehicle. And so we we would get people messaging us and encouraging and you just you just it just stuff that happened you just can't make it up um right it was incredible talk to us more about because this was a long journey for you talk to us more about this journey rather than just that destination yeah no it it was absolutely was a hundred percent about the journey i wanted to experience every day in its fullness, um, 360 degrees of awesome on that bike saddle. Some days were a little rainy, so they weren't as awesome as others. Um, and wet on a road bike is slippery. But just seeing the countryside, um, and and we had a goal of about 65 miles a day. Some days we met it, some days we exceeded it. And I I allowed, sometimes the weather had to dictate what I was able to do. I thought I could schedule rest days. Um, I thought I could have a plan, but I soon learned that there was no plan that was going to be perfect and that we were just going to have to take one day at a time. And that is something we don't do in life. You know, right. we're, we're, we're so focused on everything that's got to happen this week. And we don't live in the moment, I think sometimes. And so for me, this ride was about living in the moment and and while I couldn't stop and take pictures of everything I wanted to take, I have this amazing image and all of these videos in my head um, of the people and the experiences that I had. Um, and, and being able to share my testimony, being able to share this story across the country and hopefully encourage someone that maybe is going through something traumatic in a different way. Yeah. Now, I need you to be honest with me. You can't tell me riding through Kansas was all that great. Okay. Let's talk Kansas for a hot second. Okay. Everybody said Kansas would be awful, horrible, boring. Kansas is windy. I'm going to tell uh-huh. you there was one day that literally I, the wind was so bad. I was, and I'm a big girl. I was lifted up off of the back, back of the bike seat on this overpass. And at that point I pulled over on the other side and I said, this isn't safe. I'm done. The wind was literally, I was everything I could do to hold on. It was blowing my tires sideways. Wow. And so I was like hard on those. It was rough, but Kansas is kind of cool. Like 
there was a bakery. I, I stopped at every donut and ice cream shop, not going to lie to you. Good for that, you. Like fueled me across the country. There was a bakery and I couldn't even tell you without looking at notes in the middle of nowhere. And Jocelyn saw it. And she's like, I knew, I knew that's where we were turning. She's like, wasn't in the plan today, but we stopped and we, I, we had to throw some donuts away because that's the first donuts I'd had forever. I bought a whole dozen donuts for two people. <laughs> And mind you, I can't eat a whole bunch or I'm going to get a little bit sick, you know, doing all this ride. But just Kansas wasn't terrible. There were interesting things in Kansas. It was, it was, there were some interesting things that happened. It was just different. I've driven through Kansas. A little bit flat. I've driven through Kansas. And the only thing I saw from either side was um, just those little oil rigs that would be there. Oh yeah, there were lots of those. They smell. Yeah. Yeah. And that that, that was it for hours and hours cows lots of cows in kansas and i'll be honest cows are really intrigued by someone going by at 10 and a half miles an hour they all just they all one turns and then the rest of them turn (laughs) so you wave you find yourself waving at cows my son told me he said mom some days you're gonna have to count telephone poles stop something find something to do and so some days we were counting cows and i was pretending i was teaching swim lessons to the cows as they were in their little mud puddles (laughs) yeah yeah we just Amused ourselves through Kansas. I, I was always amazed too because um, when you hit the Colorado line, it's like it's still Kansas for another hundred some miles. Flat. Yes, let me tell you. Yeah. My first, I, I cried one day, and that was Pueblo. So mm. you're flat. You're literally just like Kansas, flat coming into Colorado, and and it's kind of pretty barren and not a whole lot where I was at. And uh, Pueblo, my first Rocky Mountain climb day. Coach, I had it on my notes that it was 18 miles up. So I had to get, I had, I had about 18 miles of climb to get to this, this top peak, you know, to get into the elevation. Hit 18 miles, I'm still climbing. 19 miles, I'm still climbing. 21 miles. I'm like, what on earth? How did I miscalculate this so badly and so mentally? I'm like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, so we used like Jocelyn, I need to look at the map. I need to figure out how much further I need to go in the up. And it ended up being 23 miles, 23 miles of climb. The first ascent, um, was pretty drastic, but then Mm -hmm. it was just, you're just, there was no reprieve. And, you know, I've climbed those, those Colorado mountain passes. I've done all that stuff, but it's kind of like you do a six miles and you're up and then you get to go down. Mm -hmm. But this was literally climbing into the heart of the Rockies. Uh, Yeah, that was my hardest day. And the first day that I sat in the back of the truck that night, and I just had a good cry, (laughs) a good cry. The Appalachians were hard, but getting that first climb into the Rockies were, oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. With, um, so people don't understand like the difference between the Appalachians and the Rockies, though. Appalachians, aren't those roads just more straight up rather than sign wide? Yeah, the, the Appalachians are much harder. Yeah. Um, because the, uh, the, the ascent and descent, uh, the percent grade, we, as we cyclists look at it is extreme. Um, I did more walking my bike down in the Appalachians. I walked oh, really? down. Yeah. Because it was like 15 plus percent. And I, that just, I'm terrified of the down. I'd rather climb 15% up than go. <laughs> I'm nuts. <Yeah. laughs> Most want to turn it loose, but I was afraid of an accident. Sure. really early in the trip. And so I was a little, little cautious. Um, there's a point called Mount Vesuvius 
And uh, that was rough. It was super duper. We overheated the truck brakes and there was a snow cone shack at the bottom of that hill <laughs> waiting on us. I was like awesome. somebody's house. They had a snow cone shack. I kid you not for all of the cyclists and, and the people that needed to cool their brakes off. And so we, we <laughs> had a snow cone <laughs> cooled off the brakes. Coach Danita, talk to us about uh, the finish. Oh my gosh. So this is might sound absolutely crazy insane, um, but those last 31 miles, I had purposely made that last day a pretty easy ride. Um, and so I had some trail. I, it wasn't being followed by Jocelyn, so I was on my own. Um, I will try not to cry. But I came across the, the bay area and the trail gives you a nice look at the bay. And so you can see it. But obviously I had quite a few more miles to go because I had to circle around and I was up on this hill. I didn't want it to end. As much as I wanted to be back with my family and my friends, it was like really hard for that to end. People are like, you just went through all this grueling 3,700 mile plus adventure and you say you didn't want it to end. It was just such a spectacular um, event for me the whole ride that went when I saw that water, it was kind of surreal because, you know, you realize you, A, shouldn't be alive. B, they didn't know if you were going to walk again just five years earlier to accomplishing a dream I'd had since I was like 12 years old and knowing it was going to happen. Um, it, it was it was incredible. So we went to the bay and Jocelyn and I went down and obviously I was very tearful. Um, and then we waited on my husband and my mom to fly out. Um, we got in about three days ahead of schedule. Um, and and I was nice. pretty good at scheduling this. And so they gave us her and I an opportunity to go see some redwoods and do some, some coastal travel, but she refused to allow me to touch the water. And um, my husband and my mom, went down to the edge of the ocean and they were my rocks through this whole, this entire recovery. Um, and they were there to witness me take that front tire out to the water's edge. And I know for, for them, that was as big of a moment as it was for me to be able to witness that. And, and I'll treasure that for the rest of my life. What throughout your whole journey, um, how has your faith changed and grown, expanded? And can you talk about that? Oh, my goodness. Um, before I was hit, you know, I've always said I was a good person. I would check the boxes. I, I went to church. I, I gave to the needy. Um, I checked those boxes. But the real relationship, the, the recognizing how God is intervening for us every single day, um, I was probably a little selfish, to be honest. I was, it was, Danita did this. Danita had this athlete that was the national this or that. And, um, and now recognizing that th this is not me at all. Um, this is not about me. It's not me. I'm just an instrument that he's using um, while I have time here on this earth. And clearly he's not done with me and he has things for me to do. And I'm honored and I'm blessed um, 
it humbled me. It humbled me a lot. Um, and I, I am truly a better human being because of this accident. And I, I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to first question, it probably won't even matter, but is why does it have, why did it have to hurt so bad when you hit me upside the head to get my attention, you know, goodness. Um, but he got it. And, um, it was hard for me to swallow the fact that people called me a miracle. That was really hard for the longest time. Um, but I look at kids and, and who aren't believing and, and are questioning things in their life. And I'm like, listen, you're, I'm a, you're talking to a miracle. Now, let me give you a little bit more of the story. And I'm okay with that now. I was not okay um, with that being called a miracle. But truly, I, I shouldn't be here. And I thank God every day. Why, why is that, if you don't mind me asking? Say that again. Why were you not comfortable being called a miracle? Well, just like I'm your hundredth guest, um, I'm just an just a girl from the middle of Indiana, living in love and life, and thankful for every breath. I, I feel like I'm a pretty simple person, and I'm I'm just blessed. Um, why 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 me? You know, some people don't make it out of these situations alive, um, mm -hmm. but God has revealed so many times how He's going to use me and how He's using me. Um, to share this story of uh, recovery and um, yeah, <laughs> it's humbling. Danita, I think I think that's one of the things that's so endearing is because you know they say like we can't you can't test the intangibles of somebody right somebody's heart somebody's soul, but with you you can because that's the part that that is just on it's just so evident when people meet you is look the heart and the soul is you're blessing everybody you come across. I think that's, that's the part that is so endearing about you. Well, I hope, I hope to make a difference every single day, every day I've got breath. You know, my mom taught us as kids, you know, the one thing that doesn't cost you anything is a smile, put it on and get out there. You've got breath in your lungs. You've got life to live, put your smile on and make a difference. That's, that's the best advice. Um, we all can change someone's day for the better. Like we all have, an, we have opportunities in front of us every single day. We don't know the person in front of us in the grocery store, the struggles that they may be going through. Mm -hmm. um, they go to pay for their groceries and they're a dollar short. Give, you know, give them a buck. Um, pay it, you know, just the, the, the small little things of, you know, sentiments of kindness that you can offer a word, just a smile sometimes um, to someone else. I, I'll be honest, I'm a tough coach, um, but I, I love them. I love them hard. I just, yeah. yeah, just love, just love people. Coach, was there, um, after the mountaintop experience, and you said you didn't want it to end, um, did you come down off that mountain? Of course. Um, and, and I said, I'm not going north to south, but here I am saying I'd like to go north to south. Um, I kept writing, but it did take a while for my body to recover. When we came, you know, I got back two days before school started and I had to be right back into the swing of teaching and, and coaching. Um, and I didn't realize how beat up my body really truly was. Um, I was working, I, it took about an hour of recovery every night in that, in that truck bed camper, I would put on Normatex, um, their recovery device. I used a hip and a, and a leg unit every day faithfully for a minimum of an hour. If it was bad. I would go to sleep in them. We went to sleep on ice. And I had to continue that because I thought once I got home, <laughs> you know, maybe I wouldn't have to continue that quite as much. And I use them now, you know, 
a little less because I'm not training and working at that level, um, but they're vitally important. Um, what I do, and it, this goes for any athlete, any athlete that's training, you have to take care of the race car. And that comes down to rest, nutrition, and recovery. Mm -hmm. And I think we fail so often in those things. Um, and, and as a coach, I just, you know, I just, I just finished a nutrition class, in fact, and I, I sent a message out to the kids, look out, we're going to learn some new things. Because I think we all still need, we need to be learning. And there's stuff that I can learn every single day. Um, but it, it, it took a long time, it took a lot longer than I thought it would, just like the recovery of this accident, taking sure. the doctor saying three years. Well, they're crazy. They don't know who they're talking to. That's right. They're going to take three years. Well, they did know. They had seen a few broken bodies. I hadn't. <laughs> Coach, is there, is there any question that I should be asking that, that I haven't asked? You know, I, I, there's none that I can, I can think of. Um, I would, I would just, I would just challenge your listeners, I guess, if I had an opportunity that we all ebb and flow of life. Um, we have these valleys that we find ourselves in. And when you find yourself in one of those valleys and you think it's dark and you don't think there's any way out, never, ever give up on my wrist is a bracelet that says, never give up. Don't give up because there are better days ahead. And even as hard as some of our challenges are in life, the sun will shine and you'll get through it. Um, and there are people like you and I would be happy to chat with anyone anytime that's in a valley um, and, and give them encouragement. Just don't give up. Never give up. Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at kukoradio.com. It's a mic drop, Coach. No, <laughs> I don't think so. That's just my, that's what I tell everyone. Don't ever give up. I've got it on my arm right here. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thanks so much, Coach. Really appreciate oh, you being so the awesome. 100th episode. It my, means so my much. Honor. It is my honor. You're awesome. Um, appreciate what you do. Thanks for encouraging myself because I listen to your episodes and those other athletes out there. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thanks for listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.